Well, good morning. Oh, come on. This is the second service. Good morning. Hey, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. I'm Pastor Troy, and uh, so, so, so glad to have each and every one of you here. Uh, just feel like someone needs to hear this this morning. You are loved. And uh, no matter what you're going through this morning, or this week, or this month, or this year, um, the, you know, life is hard. Um, it's just, it's just hard. And, uh, I realize that occasionally, well, in a crowd this size, every Sunday morning, there's people coming in that, boy, you're just fighting some battle and you're, uh, maybe sensing a feeling of loneliness or hurt. Uh, God just wants you to know that he loves you so much and, uh, our church family loves you and, uh, we're here with you and for you. Amen? Amen. Uh, what would you guess, before we get to our passage of Scripture, what would you guess is the most common or most popular form of exercise in the United States these days? What would you say it is? Walking? Any other guesses? <laughs> Bree says, not for me. Biking, okay. Eat, yeah, well. Yeah, that's not on the list, but I'm guessing you're exactly right. Um, no, it's walking. Walking. And this morning we're going to talk about walking. Um, <clears throat> before we get real in-depth here with it, let me just give you a few fun facts. Um, do you know how far you need to walk when you eat one plain M&M to work off the calories? One, and I got to tell you, I rarely eat one. <clears throat> one pack, uh, two packs. One plain M&M, you have to walk the length of a football field to work off those calories. All right? Just thought that would inspire some of you. <clears throat> it was funny, I left the house this morning and I'm thinking, I feel like I forgot something. And, you know, I'm thinking, I got my sermon, got my keys, got all the stuff. And then I'm like, just as I was passing Dunkin' Donuts, I'm like, I forgot to eat breakfast. So I just, I was pretty good, got me three donut holes. I'm not going to ask how many football fields I'd have to walk for those. Um, the average speed for a human walking, the average speed, would you say it is 2.5 miles an hour or slower or 2.6 miles an hour or faster? How many would say 2.5 or less on the speed? Let me see your hands. Okay, how many of you would say 2.6 or more? Let me see your hands. <clears throat> okay, well, you guys are right. The minority is right. It is 3.1 miles per hour. Tennis shoes, talking about walking. Do you know how many miles the average, the typical pair of tennis shoes is good for? 
how many miles would you say? Just, it, 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 it's a holiday weekend, the crowd's down, you know, it's okay to be a little crazy today, just be that guy or girl and shout it out, it's okay. Oh, wow, who said that? Wow, you're right on, 500 miles per pair of tennis shoes. Now, just a fun fact, um, recently I bought a pair of what's called Hoka's. I think I'm saying it right, H-O-K-O, I think. Uh, does anybody wear those? Okay, okay, good, good, good. Looking for cool people who wear those because I just bought me a pair. All right, all right. Um, I will tell you this, I spent more on those tennis shoes than I've spent on some vehicles as a teenager. <laughs> but they are worth it. 500 miles. Um, they say, and by they, I mean the internet, so I assume it's correct, <laughs> that the average person walks in a lifetime 65,000 miles. 65,000 miles in a lifetime. Now, that's more than I would have guessed. To help put that into perspective, that would be walking three times around planet Earth. I'm like, they, I'm not sure they're counting my steps because I, I don't think that happens. But that's what they say, the average human being, 65,000 miles. They say that if you walk 20 minutes a day, or I, I'm assuming it's a day, they didn't clarify, but 20 minutes, I'm assuming a day, it will add five months to your life. That's kind of interesting. So when you're... 85, 90 years old, and you're sitting in a nursing home at $7,000 a month. <laughs> I, I always have, I'm, I'm just good at bringing out the bright side of life. Um, <clears throat> my sister, my brother, my sister Rolinda, my brother Greg, my parents and stuff, when we were growing up, talking about walking, um, we we really enjoyed, and to this day, enjoyed the, the sarcasm as a sense of humor. Um, we love sarcasm, which, by the way, serves me well as a pastor. That's sarcasm. <clears throat> um, and uh, whenever we'd be with people or one of our friends were walking down the hall or down the sidewalk or, you know, whatever, and they would trip over something or stumble or whatever, you know, you would think we would be compassionate and loving, but what we would do, we would use that moment to make fun of them, and, and what we would say is, did you, did you miss a chapter? You know, like, did you miss that chapter on walking? That, that was my whole growing up years. You know, walk much? No. no, no. <laughs> Bree says no. Uh, you're running my illustrations. Um, but this morning, we're going to talk about walking in a spiritual sense. We're going to look at Ephesians 5, where the Apostle Paul is going to help us in our walk. Just daily practical guidance in our faith journey. And, and he's going to warn us in chapter 5 of some things that can trip us up as we walk. You know, a walk is what Jesus invites us into. It's, you know, sometimes we overcomplicate 
our faith journey, but it's really not complicated. Jesus is just inviting us to walk with him, to go where he goes. Uh, when the, the word walk is used in the Bible, often it's referring to our spiritual journey. Okay, the Christian life is a journey, and we're to walk it. We're, we're to make consistent, forward progress. Uh, the biblical norm for believers is uh, to walk in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, we need to what? Walk in the Spirit, okay? In other words, the Spirit gave us life in the new birth, and we need to continue to live day by day, or in other words, walk day by day in the Spirit. So the Apostle Paul says as we walk, there, there are some things that can trip us up. Um, there's going to be times when we stumble, we twist an ankle spiritually speaking, or we take a misstep, or sometimes, you know, it's going to feel as if we're pushed down by others. Some of us have fallen uh, because of our sin. Or Paul says, listen, I just want to take a moment this morning on July 4th weekend to give you some warnings of things that can trip us up in our spiritual journey. So we're going to start with Ephesians 5 verse 1 and then we'll read on here in a moment. But verse 1, imitate God. Therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Now, now stop there for a moment. The word therefore is there because the previous chapters, he's teaching us about who God is. Um, the first several chapters of Ephesians, teaching us about who God is, who we're serving, who we're worshiping. <clears throat> And then he says, therefore, now that we know the kind of God that we're serving, imitate him. Now, he's not saying imitate him as in the sense, act like your God. He's not talking about acting like your God. That's, that's, that's one form of imitation, but that's not, he, he's talking about like a child would imitate their parents, you know, like a child would learn something from their parents. And so I, I have this perfect little video clip of my granddaughter that illustrates this perfectly. It's just simple, and it's really what the Apostle Paul is calling us to do when it comes to walking in the Spirit, to imitating God, not in the sense that you act like you're Him, but in the sense that you want to live like Him and be like Him, and you're following His imitation okay so just watch this real quick illustration of a video clip of my granddaughter all right go ahead hey, Ella, say, oh. Oh. nice say oh. Oh. wonderful oh. yeah say oh. Oh. good job say We're, we're, we got a little ways to go, but it's, it's a perfect illustration. You know, if I want to learn how to become a great softball player, I hang around great softball players and I watch what they do and I imitate them. Or if I want to become a great golfer or singer, I, I hang around people who do it well and I 
imitate them or whatever. Uh, one of the best ways for us to learn is to imitate somebody who's good at whatever it is you're wanting to learn, okay? Uh, you know the saying, imitation is the sincerest form of what? Flattery. And Paul is telling us this morning, imitate God. How do we do that? We imitate Jesus because he and God are one, okay? And then he goes on to verse 2 to give us some more instruction. Verse 2 <clears throat> Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, as a pleasing aroma to God. My, stop there. My preference is to pick and choose who I love. My preference is to go, eh, you deserve my love, but not so much this person, right? Based on how they're treating me. Uh, and loving others when they deserve it, that's good. But Paul indicates that loving others when they don't deserve it is how Jesus loves, and we are to imitate him. Loving people like Jesus loved people. And he goes on to say that this is a pleasing aroma in the nostrils of God. This, this, is, a, this, is, a, this is an offering. This is our worship as we love those who... Don't even deserve our love. He says, imitate Jesus in this. A biblical example of this, many of you know this story, but there would be some in here who probably don't. And I, and I hope this is the first time you've heard this story, but this is just a really quick version of it. Jesus is having lunch at the home of a religious leader with some of the, that gang of religious leaders. And there's uh, a woman who has a reputation in that town. And she just strolls right in. She interrupts the lunch. She doesn't care what anybody's thinking about her. She's, she's weeping. She falls at the feet of Jesus. She takes out this expensive bottle of perfume. In fact, they say it would be worth about a year's wages. So it's like if you took your entire year's wages and you, and you spin it on Jesus... She takes this bottle of perfume worth a year's wages. She breaks it over his feet, and, and she cries, and she worships him, and she honors him. And the religious leaders that are sitting around Jesus, they're upset because, you know, they're sitting there going, what a waste, man. We could have sold that. We could have used the money to feed the poor. Well, they, they weren't concerned about the poor. They, they were concerned about the money. Uh, it's kind of a sense of... Uh, uh, a false spirituality, you might say. And, and Jesus could see right through it. He doesn't reprimand her. He does reprimand the religious leaders who are criticizing her. And he says, in fact, not only am I not going to reprimand her, I'm reprimanding you, but every time the gospel is spoken, the story will be told. That, well, that's one re We're t still telling the story today of this woman who loved and worshipped Jesus. And Jesus loved her even though in our eyes, she wouldn't have deserved it. And we're still talking about it. Um, and that, that was a pleasing aroma in the nostrils of God, the way that Jesus loved this woman who didn't earn it. Um, and the way that we imitate Jesus, as it talks about in verse 2, is, yeah, it's good to love people who deserve love, but when we go beyond that point of loving people who don't deserve love and we love them anyway, 
He says, then you're imitating God. Okay, verse 3. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Now stop there. So, so here he is. He's saying, hey, in your spiritual journey, in your walk, there are some things that can trip you up. And this is not an all-inclusive list, but it's interesting the two things he picks out, sexual immorality and greed. Um, they are often uh, a sign of bigger problems, of root problems in our lives. And he says, hey, as God's people, keep an eye out on, on all the areas as you walk, but especially these two. So let, let's talk about physical intimacy for a second. It's a gift. God gave us that as a gift. Our society's attitude, though, towards physical intimacy is largely that it's just another biological urge. And when you feel the need, you just go fulfill it with whoever, whenever, however, it doesn't matter. That's what, you know, society treats uh, physical intimacy no different than it treats hunger. You know, if you're hungry, Go stop through Dunkin' Donuts, get you a couple donut holes for church. You know, they, the society treats sexual intimacy with the same way. When you feel the need, just go fulfill it with whoever, however, whenever. And yet God says, no, in, in your spiritual journey, be careful. I put parameters around this thing of intimacy, not because God's old-fashioned, but because God has given us that in life to enhance our lives between a husband and a wife in the covenant of marriage. But used outside of that, God says, it's tripping you up. He also talks about greed in the same sentence. You're like, why would he talk about sexual intimacy and, and greed in the same sentence? It's, it's because, you know, Paul is an equal opportunity offender. They're, you know... Um, they're both gifts from God that God has given us, but we, we twist these desires into something that they're not meant to be. And, and that's really what sin is. It's, it's simply taking something, a beautiful gift that God has given us, and you've twisted it around and made it into something that it was not originally created to be. So he talks about greed. You know, greed is when I crave something I don't have in an unhealthy way. You know, greed or being greedy is always a negative connotation uh, that, that is criticizing the desire, the unhealthy desire for more. Greed is often understood to influence people to do things that's not in the will of God to get the stuff that they're wanting to acquire and more money, more stuff, whatever. In fact, the expression you know, uh, the love of money is the root of all evil, really, you could replace money and, and it's just greed in general. It's not specifically just about money, but your greed, my greed might not have anything to do with money, might have to do with something else. And Paul says, as we're walking with God on this spiritual journey, don't get tripped up in these Areas. And so a, a good place to stop and ask a question is, 
are there any parameters that you need to place in your life um, to help you, to help protect you in these areas of your life? Because if you're pursuing these things that ultimately put Jesus on the cross, you can't say you're sold out to Jesus. And so are there some things in life that you need to go, hey, I need to put some healthy parameters around here. Okay, let's move on down to verse 15 for further walking instructions. So be careful how you live. Another way to say that, be careful how you walk. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act, verse 17, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, verse 18. I, I make a personal choice. It's just a personal conviction of mine. I don't drink any alcoholic beverages because it's hard enough for me to make great choices when I'm sober. I cannot even begin to imagine if I were not sober the choices I would make. This is common sense for me. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks. Here's some more walking instructions. Give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's saying, hey, be careful when you walk. Here's some things to avoid. Here's some things to do. Give thanks. Sing psalms and hymns. And Let me make a slight transition here. We need to understand when we're talking about our faith journey, when we're talking about walking with Jesus, uh, we need to understand that there are different people at different stages in their walk with Jesus right here within this room, okay? You know, if you were to do a spectrum of walking with Jesus, there's some people who are here, some of you are here, some of you are here, some of you are here. And, um, Maybe some of you haven't even taken your first step in walking with Jesus. You've not stepped over that line of faith and decided to be a follower of Jesus and to walk with him. The good news of the gospel this morning is this. The work has been done. All you have to do is to receive the gift of salvation that he's given and he's offering you and take that first step and you start walking with Jesus. Others of you, maybe you've taken that step, but you're, you're still an infant in your walk with Jesus. And so, man, you're still, you're still struggling to keep your balance. You're, you, you know, you're doing everything in your power to pull yourself up to the edge of the couch, spiritually speaking, to stand up. You, you're not really walking, walking yet confidently, and that's where some of you are. Others of you have been walking with Jesus for a long time. Um, and our desire, my desire as your pastor, our desire as a church is to wherever you're at in your walk with Christ is for us to come alongside you and to just encourage you and to spur you on and to, to motivate you and to help you walk with Jesus the best you can. Um, but <clears throat> here's what's interesting about the walk. Not only are there different stages of the walk, but we come from different places in our walk. We come with different passions and focus in our walk. And they're all good. You know, we all need each other, 
within New Life, we've got people who have come from all different kinds of backgrounds. Uh, for some of you, this is the first church you've ever really been involved in. Uh, you've ever been committed to. For others of you, maybe you came from a, um, <clears throat> some kind of a different religious tradition. And, and here we are, we're just all walking together, this spiritual journey. Uh, a, a way that helps me to look at it is that you might even say that we're, we're all on the same team, but we're playing different positions. Okay, so, so if, if we have a baseball team... You don't want all the team playing first base, or you don't want all the team playing shortstop, right? You need them spread out in different positions. And this is kind of a way for us to think about not only are we at different levels of the spectrum in walking with Jesus, but we're coming from different places. So let me illustrate some of those places in our walk. Some of you focus on the position of theology. Theology. This would be these folks who represent the mind of God. <clears throat> They love to discuss the deep truths of God's Word. They love to split theological hairs. Uh, they love to have long discussions over lots of coffee about theology. And we have some of these folks here, uh, especially in this town where we have a great Christian university, and, and we have people with master's degrees and doctorates and and just all the stuff. In fact, I'll, you know, I'll, just a confession, it is really scary to pastor a church in this town because there are so many people here who are so much smarter than I am. That was a great place for an amen. <clears throat> um, and, and these folks have played a significant role in the formative years of my life, and they continue to play a very critical role in my life as they help lead and guide me and give me, you know, knowledge and wisdom and common sense and all this stuff. And the great thing about these folks is that they highly value God's Word. That's a good thing. A potential challenge for these folks is that sometimes they can be so focused and, and they can be so focused on getting the gospel right that sometimes they fail to get it out. Okay? Now hold on, if that offends you, I'm gonna offend all of us here in a minute, okay? I also am an equal opportunity offender. Great people, we need them. Uh, but that's one position. Another position on the team are those who are. Uh, the only way I know to describe it is they're more charismatic, okay? These folks represent the heart of God. These folks who I would refer to as charismatic in their focus, um, they love the Holy Spirit. They give us some of the best worship music. Uh, in fact, if, if you would identify as someone who's kind of in that mode of focus and operation, you're kind of charismatic, would you raise your hand? Let me see your hand. Oh, back there. Okay, good. You were dying to raise your hand, weren't you? You're charismatic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you notice I didn't ask the theology folks to raise their hand because that just wasn't going to happen. Uh, in fact, if you're charismatic, you want to raise both hands. <clears throat> I love these folks. 
Um, the thing that distinguishes them is their belief in the miraculous power of God that's at work right here and right now. And they have this expectation that they're going to experience the presence of God right here and right now. And they're expressive and they're enthusiastic and they're encouraging. Um, my family, some, many of you know this, but some don't. My family, prior to me pastoring, we would travel around the country singing southern gospel music in churches. Um, and we would absolutely love it when we got into a church full of charismatic type people. You know, because we were up there doing the thing and singing and playing instruments and, you know, all the stuff. And a lot of churches we would go to, and they just, like we used to say, they just looked like they'd been slapped in the face with a dead rabbit. They're just sitting there like, but man, you get in a good charismatic bunch of people and they're giving it right back to you, man. They're excited. They're great services. Um, but one of the potential challenges that this group of folks face is that they can value personal subjective experience over a lot of other things that are just as important. Um, we're talking about our walk. We're talking about the fact that we not only are at different places in the spectrum, but we come from different places. Another position on our team would be those who are focused on growth. Uh, these folks represent the mission of God. I would raise my hand and say, out of these positions I'm talking about, this is, this is where I would land in this position of people who are focused on growth. They represent the mission of God. Um, we love to accomplish things for God. There's... There's a strong emphasis on evangelism and programs and systems and effectiveness. And, and people like myself who fall into this category are constantly thinking, how can we reach more people for, for Christ? How can we reach more people on, with the gospel? Uh, one of the hills that I would die on as a pastor, and, and I, I honestly, I hate that language because, you know, and I, I think my team hopefully could tell you that. I, I don't like us to use that language, you know, this is a hill I'll die on, because it's about what's the best decision. It's not about your hills, you know. Um, but I think they could tell you that one of the hills that I would die on as a pastor of any church is that we will always have space to reach more people. We will always do our best to reach more people with the hope of the gospel. Um, in fact, this, to help give you some of my mindset, do you know who the 10 most important people are at New Life? Would it, would the 10 most important people, would it be the church board? Would it be our staff? Would it be those who serve on our life team? Would it be the praise team? Would it be the nerd? No. The 10 most important people aren't here yet. That's how we think. We're always thinking about the next, for the first, I don't know, 10, 12, 14 years I pastored, I like to say that we would base every decision we make on the next 200 people that God's going to send our way. Now these days I go, the next 500 people that God's going to send our way. We make our decisions based on that because we're about reaching people. That's who I am. You know, eternity is at stake. That's the way we filter everything. And a strength of these folks who are focused on this position is that we're often effective in reaching lots of people, but a challenge that we have 
is that we can be so focused on reaching more Christians for Jesus that we fail to make better and deeper Christians. And so as a church, we need the theologians. We need those who are charismatic in their focus. We need those to help those of us who are focused on the mission to go, okay, not only do we need to go wide, but we need to go deep. That would be one of the challenges people like I would face. But I'm just coming from a different destination than some folks, right? One more position on our team would be those who are focused on justice. Uh, these folks would represent the hands and the feet of God. These folks love serving the needs of people. These folks love uh, standing against injustice. You know, and obviously here at New Life, we want to we serve those who are uh, in need. We want to be connected with our community. And, but if the people in this group were to get a tattoo... The tattoo would be of James 1.27, which says this, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for the orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. So there, this group of folks is always thinking, how can we give ourselves away? How can we help? How can we serve? How can we take care of people? And there's so much to love about this group, and we need this group of folks because we live in a broken world. But a potential challenge that this group faces is that they can sometimes look down on others as less spiritual because maybe the other groups don't appear to care about the needs as much as they do. And so the challenge is a little bit of spiritual pride sometimes. Well, you know, if you don't do it like we do it or if you don't love them like we love them or if you're not, you know, then apparently you're not as spiritual. Here's what I want you to know as we look at what the Apostle Paul says this morning. Wherever you are at in your faith journey, in your walk, wherever you're coming from, we need you. We need each other to spur each other along. You know, kind of the iron sharpens iron. And sometimes we get on each other's nerves. I know, you know, especially between the different groups. But we need each other, and we want to be a church. We want to be a church that loves the mind of God. We want to be a church that follows the heart of God. We want to be a church that seeks to accomplish the mission of God through the power of the Spirit, because there's a world that's broken and hurting. And so, as we walk together, let's grow together. As we walk together, let's, like the Apostle says, the Apostle Paul says, be aware there's some things, and there might, maybe for you it's not sexual immorality, or maybe for you it's not greed, maybe it's something else that, hey, just watch, watch it, man, because that's what's going to make you stumble, that's what's going to make you twist a spiritual ankle and he says just be careful but he also says here are some things we can do on our walk sing and give praise and love one another let's bow our heads if you would father i just i am grateful for your word to us this morning through the apostle paul and ephesians and father i just pray right now that you would help us in our walk for those that, you know, if there's someone here that hasn't taken that first, that initial step in their faith journey, God, I pray that, 
I pray that you would help them to take that step, to step across that line of faith this morning and receive you as Lord and Savior of their life and for them to start following you. And then, Lord, there are infants and toddlers, spiritually speaking, in our presence. And it's so exciting, Lord, to have them. And I just pray that you would help them as they learn to walk and stand and go on this faith journey. And then there's others who have been on this journey for quite a while and um, I just pray that you would help them to remain vibrant and passionate and focused on you and loving others and your mission. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can walk together as your family. Help us just now, wherever anyone may need it, Lord, help us in these moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand and worship with us this morning. We've seen what you can do, oh God of wonders. Your power has no end. The things you've done before. Oh, God of revival. 
Has it been good to be in the house of God this morning? Oh my goodness. You guys are almost worse than the first service. Isn't it so great to worship together with the family? Yes. Not just to be in the house to worship, but to worship with your brothers and sisters who are right beside you fighting on the same team. Pursuing the things of God together is one church, and I know this church is doing great and amazing things is one team. But hey, as you go, have a great 4th of July. Be safe. Enjoy the fireworks. Eat lots of hot dogs. Because hot dogs are better than hamburgers on the 4th of July. Yes, someone. Hey, praise God. But hey, have a great week. God bless you all. You're dismissed.